This is All Things ANSYS, a podcast from the technical support staff at PADT. Episode 23. Our technical support team takes a look at what is new in ANSYS 19.2, along with news and updates from the world of ANSYS and PADT. Welcome to episode 23. My name is Eric Miller. I'm one of the owners at PADT. And uh, glad to have you back for the podcast. It, it's only been uh, four days since I recorded the last one of these. Uh, I've got some travel coming up, and people's schedules back at the office uh, were such that we were actually able to get the tech support team to talk about ANSYS 19.2 for this episode. So we want to take advantage of that um, and record that now, even though it's going to come out in, in over a week. Uh, but but it was it's great to uh, be back so soon and talking about it. Um, this will mostly focus on our discussion on 19.2 because we're just talking about other stuff. But a little bit of a reminder, yes, 19.2 is out and available. That's why we're talking about it. We do have webinars ongoing on Bright Talk, um, and we'll talk about that during the, the discussion with the guys. And we, we highly recommend you do your own research as well. So do, do get up to speed on this latest and greatest release of all the ANSYS products. Podcast-wise, um, it has only been... Uh, four days since we did the last release of the podcast. So we've had 6,601 total downloads, which is 300 per episode, 22 episodes, but uh, that's to be expected. It's, it's a little bit of a drop from last week because uh, it's been such a short time, but hopefully that will go up. Also a reminder to sign up for our newsletters by going to www.padtinc.com slash opt-in. We just sent one out uh, yesterday. We'll keep sending those out. They seem to be very popular. But let's get on to the podcast. Um, like I said, our schedules kind of worked out to where, um, you know, I, I sent out these invites, or Trevor actually sent out these invites to see if the support guys were available to help record the podcast. And they usually come back and say no, but they all said they could make it this Friday afternoon. So I'm here in the Denver office. Um, if you don't know, PDT's got offices all across the Southwest. We've got one here in Littleton, beautiful downtown Littleton, Colorado, as well as Salt Lake City and Albuquerque and Torrance, California. And our newest one out there in Texas and Austin area, and um, I'm up visiting visiting customers here in the Denver office. So we're, I'm recording it from here, and the guys were back in Tempe. And uh, please please enjoy our discussion. I found I, I learned a few things, so we'll see you on the other side. Well, welcome to uh, something we used to do a lot of that I hope to do more of in the future. We we were fortunate enough to get three of our technical support team here to be part of the podcast again. And welcome back, guys. We did miss you. Uh, we've been doing a lot of interviews with people outside of PADT, but I do miss these chats amongst us. And as as I mentioned in the uh, um, prelude to this episode, that we're going to talk about what's new in 19.2. So let's go around the room, introduce ourselves. Um, I think everybody kind of knows some of the background we used to share, but just you know, just let us know uh, what you do here at ANSYS. So go ahead, and I'm going across the top of my screen here, so we'll start with Joe. All right, I'm uh, Joe Woodward. I'm part of the tech support team and the training coordinator here at PADT. I've been using ANSYS for uh, 21 years, or 22 years now, and uh, we'll see what's new. Cool. Ted? This is Ted Harris. I manage our simulation support group here at PADT. Been with PADT since 1999 and been an ANSYS user, uh, unbelievably, for 31 years. Wow. <laughs> and Tom. 
My name is Tom Chadwick. I'm uh, one of the CFD support engineers here at PADT. Uh, I've worked for PADT for about four and a half years now, and I've been using CFD uh, like Ted for about 31 years. Great. Great. Of course, my name is Eric Miller, and I'm one of the owners here at PADT. Um, and I head up actually the engineering services and a bunch of uh, other administrative marketing things here at PADT. And uh, I've been, uh, as I lament often on this podcast, uh, getting old. It's been 32 years now that I've been using Anthos. So uh, it's been, been quite a nice ride. So speaking of how long we've been using Anthos, boy, has it changed a lot. Um, we're at you know, the, the naming convention has not stayed consistent. I can definitely attest to that. Um, I think I started using it at 4.3. Um, they had a very different naming uh, system back then. So now we're using uh, 19 point something or other, or 18 point something or other. We ju they just released 19.2, what, about two weeks ago, Ted? It was a little longer than that, okay. but within the, you know, quite recently. Quite recently. Okay. So, yeah, that's right. It has been a while. I've been busy. <laughs> it's, it's flying too fast. So, 19.2, um, you know, one of the things that's changed recently is that these point releases are not necessarily minor bug fixes. They can have some major enhancements in them. Kind of the, the philosophy is if it's gotten through QA, why wait till the end of the year? Let's go ahead and release it. So, um, whereas in the past, you may have skipped over the point releases, um, they're definitely worth looking at now if there's features that you need uh, in there. So, let's just go ahead and get started. Um, kind of, um, I don't know, I'll start with you, Joe, um, since you're on the far left of my list of names on top of my screen. Um, what, what's your favorite new thing in 19.2? Oh, well, so far as I've played with it, the new meshing inside of Space Plane, mm -hmm. uh, they've actually ported the uh, HEXA capability from ISOM CFD nice. into Space Plane. It is still beta, and it acts like it's beta, but <laughs> it, it is, so far you can see where they're really going to make this nice once they get it released. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really exciting. Um, I, I don't do it much anymore, but Joe and I used to do a lot of hex meshing. Joe still does do a lot of hex meshing for runs that, and geometries that, uh, you know, customers need complex hexahedral meshing. And we've still been using ICE and CFD uh, hexa until the last job. Is that right, uh, Joe? Uh, yeah. Yeah. So if you're using using that, or you're, or you're using some other piece of software, which is a no-no, um, you should definitely take a look at this beta. Um, and, and as I always state, give feedback to development. You know, this is our chance to really impact the tool. So, um, and it, and and he didn't misspeak. It's in space claim, so it's inside the geometry engine, which is probably where a hex mesher should be, since you're doing a lot of slicing and dicing. Right. Um, how about you, Ted? What's your favorite thing so far? Um, well, there's a couple, and I think what I'll talk about right now is a new feature called Material Designer. That's yeah. 19.2. So mm -hmm. this is for people working with composites. And what it allows you to do is model the microstructure of your fiber-reinforced composites um, and create what... ANSYS calls an RVE, or a representative volume element. So you're basically defining information on the fibers and the 
the resin or the matrix and uh, on a micro scale, making a small uh, cuboid type model that captures the fiber uh, directions as well as the weave information. And then you're defining material properties for the fibers, for the resin, whatever makes it up, uh, the different types of composites that can go in there. And you're basically just making this one little chunk and then you perform some basic simulations on that little chunk. And then that feeds into engineering data, uh, essentially lumping those material properties together, which you can then feed into a downstream mechanical simulation. Very cool. So th this is something that people have done for quite some time by hand, right? I mean, we've, we've gone in there and kind of done this ourselves and and right. applied it. So not no consistency, no repeatability. So now we've got a standard process. The beauty is it's all very user-friendly. Nice. It's a very simple workflow. It's just something you insert as a an analysis block in the project schematic nice. that then feeds into downstream engineering data, which feeds into a downstream <clears throat> structural simulation. Very cool. That sounds really useful because I think people avoid that kind of modeling because they're kind of like, oh, I don't want to deal with this. So the fact that it's so much easier, that's that's very, very cool. And is it just composites or does it do other microstructures like, say, additive manufacturing or something like that? Um, it's intended for composites. Okay. So it so might composites. be possible to do some other types of simulation, but composites is the target. Right now. Okay, cool. Very good. And Tom, what about you? What, what's your favorite new thing? Okay, well, one of the big things that's um, sort of been an issue for ANSYS for a while is that they have two separate CFD packages, Fluent and CFX. Mm -hmm. And about a year ago, they made the decision that uh, Fluent is going to be their primary multi-purpose general CFD solver. Mm -hmm. One of the uh, things that Fluent has is that it has its own mesher built within it. Um, so instead of having to go through the workbench mesher, you can open up Fluent and do your meshing, your pre-processing, your solving, and your post-processing all in one interface. One of the issues that has been there is that the uh, Fluent mesher is uh, somewhat old technology. Um, it has a lot of capability, but the interface hasn't been updated in a number of years. And so now that they've decided that Fluent is going to be their primary purpose code, uh, they're beginning to make uh, updates to the mesher. And the first big update that they've done is that they're creating workflows to streamline the meshing process. And now they have what they call a watertight workflow where you read in the geometry and um, you go through the meshing process. It's well set up. It's step-by-step -step process. You define the geometry. You define the uh, surface meshing uh, parameters. You generate the surface mesh, um, define all your boundary condition types and the uh, fluid volume type and then you generate the volume mesh. And it's cool. a, like I said, it's all built into one interface, um, reduces the amount of button clicks that you have to do, reduces the amount of menus that you have to go through, um, and you can generate a mesh fairly fast, faster than I've seen with the uh, workbench mesher. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've already started using it on uh, one big problem 
working on that we were having difficulty generating the mess because we're building uh, 80 to 100 million cell model and the workbench mesher was starting to choke on it. It was having difficulty uh, generating the mesh because of the large size, but the uh, the new work or the new fluent mesher um, basically in about an hour to two hours, it was able to generate an 80 million cell model wow. on wow. a fairly complex geometry. So big, big change. And was that a tech mesh or poly mesh? It's actually, it's actually, um, you have the choice of the volume mesh. You can build a standard, uh, uh, tetrahedral mesh, um, or you can switch it over to Fluence, uh, polyhedral mesh. Um, and they also have added in the capability for what they call, it's actually a hybrid mesh. It's uh, hexahedral uh, hanging node mesh in the main core of the flow. As you get near to the surfaces, it generates a polyhedral mesh with the inflation layers near the geometry. That's, that's the one I've seen. It's mosaic technology, right, is what they're calling it? Yes, yeah. That's pretty. That was my it, favorite thing at 19.2 was the new mosaic mesher. Pretty. Yes, impressive. it's a it's a very impressive. The the meshes that it builds are very elegant looking, uh, very efficient meshes. Um, it's I think believe it's I don't remember the exact number, but it is helping improve the uh, solution speed uh, because it packs the mesh efficiently. Coarse mesh where you where you don't need a fine mesh and fine mesh near the surfaces. Cool, very cool. Yeah, I'm I I'm very excited about the fact that it's in one interface. But that mosaic mesher looks like some pretty cool technology. And right, uh, the, the good news is we know that uh, new meshing technology tends to float its way through the rest of the ANSYS world. So, uh, right, even though it's starting in Fluent, we should have access to it. Cool. Um, so uh, back to you, Joe. What what uh, we we got your number one thing. What's your what's your number two thing? Oh, um, I don't know. I'll probably let uh, Ted talk more about the topology optimization. Yeah, he played um, with that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one thing the the chaining of remote points is kind of on the top of the list on the. Uh, mm-hmm. the for one, let everybody know that the the what's new page. If you go to your project page in Mechanical, and you go to the worksheet, uh, you can get a list of of the release notes and uh, kind of cool. a summary of what's new in there. Uh, just remind people of that. But they have uh, for a long time now. You you Ansys would not uh, tie constraint equations from one node to another without um, them being on elements. Right. Uh, so in mechanical now in 19.2, you can uh, chain remote points together mm-hmm. so that you can put a remote point at two different joints and then a third in between um, and apply a load on that third one. Uh, and just would not do that in the past. Good, good. Yeah, that's a that's a handy feature. I mean, one of the common themes in these discussions about new releases with Ansys Mechanical is kind of replacing stuff we have to write custom code for with new capabilities that are built into the tool. And that's definitely one that you know you just have to jump through some hoops to get the same thing. Okay. Um, now, now that it's built in there, you also have to put the processing on that point. So that's cool. Yeah. 
Um, Ted, why don't you talk a little bit about topological optimization? I mean, it's kind of following the internal email thread about your uh, your meshing adventures. Uh, why don't you share what you found right. out about some of this new stuff? Sure. So um, one of the things that's new in 19.2 in mechanical for topological optimization is the ability to do a lattice optimization. So there's a lot of buzz around lattice with metal 3D printing, um, you know, stuff that was impossible to manufacture in the past or extremely difficult uh, isn't that way anymore. And so defining your structure containing a lattice uh, inside is a great way to reduce weight while still preserving stiffness and other characteristics. And so the ability to perform an optimization on the topology and mix in a lattice at the same time is, is new. And so you, it's just a, an, an additional option within topology optimization. When you're setting up your analysis settings, you just specify, I want to do a lattice optimization, and then there's a few parameters that you set. And so uh, mechanical will go off and solve for the topology optimization. And what you get, instead of the three-color three contour plot that we've been getting for the last few releases with a traditional topology optimization, is now we get a contour plot that shows... Uh, really a distribution of a lattice structure based on the parameters we specified as well as you know the the shape of the part that we're working on and loads uh, etc so cool. we get this contour plot that shows basically the density distribution of the lattice that we uh, are trying to put into our structure and so the workflow then proceeds into space claim where we can take the output of the basically the lattice density that the optimization is calculated and have space claim modify our solid geometry to incorporate that recommended or determined lattice structure. And so it goes off and crunches for a little bit and then we get a, a new geometric representation in space claim which contains that defined lattice and then the, the final step in the workflow is the validation step, which is the same as we've been doing with topology optimization in previous releases. Um, so we would then go into mechanical. It reads in this lattice uh, structure. Um, it's a, more like a faceted representation of the geometry than a solid. And so it does require a pretty fine mesh um, in order to, to get it to mesh at this point. But... Um, I've gone through it with a couple of examples, and it works, and it works quite nicely. And so what you get is a lattice that varies in essentially the thickness properties of the distribution of the lattice. So where the lattice can be thin, it has thinner members in the lattice, and where the lattice needs to be thicker, it has thicker member sizes in the lattice. And so this brings us kind of back into that material designer tool I talked about a few minutes ago. And th this would be the other application for material designer is lattice type structures in addition to composites. Okay, good. Now, does your, does your original mesh have to be fine enough to cover that lattice or is it just a well, density on those elements? It's a density on the elements. Okay, so, good. Good. you know, like other topology optimizations, your mesh has to be reasonably refined because, you know, like, Virtually everything in simulation accuracy is dependent on mesh density. Right. But you're not trying to get it so fine that no. it covers those lattice. Right. 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 Yeah. The, the original mesh does not have to be anywhere near as refined as what the the lattice, uh, you know, what, what you would mesh that actual lattice with. 
that's a new workflow that has a lot of application for additive manufacturing, and it's pretty exciting to see that we can we can do that mm -hmm. and do it successfully. Um, other uh -huh. new features within topology optimization is it's now supported on Linux. So Yay. if you have Linux clusters and want to be able to do topology optimization, you can now utilize that. Um, there's some additional constraints available for additive manufacturing since topology optimization and additive manufacturing are pretty tightly linked. And then the last one I'll mention is there's a beta capability now to do a thermal optimization where we're only considering the thermal degrees of freedom. Oh, good. Good. So you can do like a heat sink, some crazy looking heat sink or something. Yeah. Right. Very cool. Yeah, we're seeing a lot of additions and we haven't had time to dig into it as much as I think we want to in both the, the closely coupled additive and um, the 3D printing simulation tool and or additive suite is what they call it. So we're, of course, being that PADP is uh, our, you know, our two most uh, favorite worlds in engineering or simulation and in 3D printing, the, using them two together, we get pretty excited about. So we'll keep looking at that um, as it comes out. And I mean, I think, I mean, we've, we've recommended people look at topological optimization in the past. It just keeps getting better. So I know a lot of companies are maybe using other tools or looked a couple of years ago and, and decided what time wasn't right. Definitely you want to take a look at the ANSYS tools now. I think that for most people it's going to work for you getting them as optimized designs for um, that you want to make with additive manufacturing. And if you're already a user of ANSYS Mechanical, you already knew how to do it because right, exactly. it just runs right within the, the normal ANSYS Mechanical window. So no no new tool, no new weirdness uh, there, which is kind of nice. Um, Tom, do you have anything for us else in the fluid world you'd like to talk about? Yeah, one of the things that um, has been a struggle for a lot of years is dealing with uh, spray injection. Um, mm -hmm. Typically, they, they model it as discrete particles. That's been the historical way to do it, and you just identify a distribution of discrete particles. But in reality, the uh, spray injection doesn't really work that way. You start out with a solid slug of fluid, and then the uh, shear and viscous forces break it up into discrete particles. And previous up up before the current release, uh, they didn't really have the capability to do that, but now they're actually adding in the capability for what they call uh, VOF to DPM. So it's a volume of fluid coming out of the injector, and then as the forces uh, react on that uh, volume of fluid, um, it begins to break up into larger bubbles or sheets. And then eventually the forces get down to a point where it breaks it into discrete particles. And when it gets to that point where it's in discrete particles, then it switches over to a DPM type analysis. So it's uh, increasing the accuracy of how you can model spray for everything from inkjet printers to uh, painting applications, coatings, um, combustion applications if you have a, a, a liquid fuel that you're spraying into right. uh, into your domain and combusting it. 
Um, all that capability has now been added in, and again, they're continuing to make improvements to it and comparing it against test data to increase the accuracy of it, but it shows a lot of promise, and I think it's going to be something that uh, a lot of applications can use uh, to good effect. Good. Good. Yeah, it's funny how much spray stuff is out there that we just kind of don't look at because it's been such a pain to model in the past. But right. uh, it's, it's something uh, to do more and more of. And it could be something like painting an automobile or it could be, you know, injecting fuel into some sort of chamber. So very, very right. neat. Yep. Yeah, very cool. Um, you know, I think my my other one that I'm really kind of excited about where was it? I had it written down. Uh, oh, uh, something called inverse solving. And again, this is something that we that has been you know possible with coding for many many years. But in order to to deal with some of the stuff in the additive suite, they added it to the program, and we can all take advantage of it. It basically back calculates geometry um, based upon load. So in the turbo machinery world, we always say it's the hot to cold. So when you've got a fan blade. When you spin it up and, and get it warm, it kind of deforms quite a bit, actually. So the aerodynamics guys want a final shape to look like, you know, this specifically defined final shape. So we would go and, and, and back calculate, well, what does the geometry have to be so that when it does get up to speed and heat, it is in that shape that the aerodynamics guys want. Well, that's now kind of a, a, an automated workflow in, not automated, but a defined workflow within uh, mechanical so we can use it. And, it. and it comes in handy for additive manufacturing because of the thermal distortion that takes place as the, the when you're doing metal 3D printing, you're melting powder and then it solidifies. It gets a lot of residual stresses. So knowing what those residual stresses are, back calculate what the shape needs to be so that when it is deformed, it's in the final shape you want. Have, have any of you guys looked at the inverse solving yet? I've done a couple of simple examples with it just so I can understand how it works. Mm -hmm. uh, it's pretty simple. Pretty simple. I remember 25 years ago having to write a Fortran program to mm -hmm. iteratively, you know, within some small tolerance, do a hot to cold conversion to, right. like you say, get the the shape that a blade needs to be machined in so that when it's at speed, at temperature, at load, it deflects into the shape uh, that are required for the aerodynamics. Yeah. Um, okay, one, one last chance. Um, we could talk all day about this, but one last chance uh, going around the table again, the virtual table again. Joe, you got anything else you want to add? Uh, on the uh, external model? Yeah, I believe they uh, now have it so that you can bring in the geometry, or have it skin. I should say skin new geometry on uh, a mesh that you had before. So maybe you only had the mesh from a, from an old ANSYS model, the CDB file. Right. Uh, they now have a checkbox to go in and create the geometry and skin it, uh, kind of the way that the FE modeler did before. Right. Uh, yeah. Didn't, didn't used to do that. So. If Modeler was a module that's been around for a while, I don't know if it's still around or not, that kind of dealt with faceted geometry from old just FEA meshes, whether it came from ANSYS or a competitive code. So that's now built in with the external model, so that's really kind of cool. And I also noticed that you can read it in an FTL file, the same kind of way and get construction geometry from that. So that was kind of cool. 
um, to be able to do that. So kind of moving those those tools inside. How about you, Ted? What's your what's your last thing to pass along? Well, there's several to choose from, but I'll choose one in a different vein, and that is the ability to select the license that you want Mechanical to use. So up until now, the license that, that uh, ANSYS selects for customers that have multiple flavors of ANSYS licensing is determined primarily by the uh, license preferences that you set typically one time. And if the license at the top of your list is available, that's what it picks. If that license isn't available, it goes to the second one on the list. Well, now in the project schematic in the workbench window for a given uh, simulation block that involves mechanical, you can specify which license you want it to use. So mechanical pro, mechanical enterprise, et cetera. So it's just for that particular simulation, you now have the additional, some additional control over which license it's actually going to use. Well, that's very cool. That's very, very cool. Yeah. Uh, how about you, Tom? Oh, one last thing. I was looking through some stuff uh, a couple days ago, and they were talking about a um, new capability within Fluent uh, for wall films, and um, they're improving the ability to model things like uh, water films running down a glass surface. So now you can actually see the the randomness of the of the water, you know, if you've ever watched water run down a window, you'll see it form little tracks and the tracks will vary as they go down the window. And now they've added in that capability within Fluent to model phenomenon like that. So it's pretty interesting that's, to see the kinds of traces that form. Um, yeah, there's so many cool things. So there is a lot more. Uh, what I always recommend is, if you really care, go into the help and read the release notes, because everything is in the release notes, and I mean everything. Like, I don't know if you guys know, but they finally turned off uh, the multi-field solver commands in mechanical APDL. So that that was the old uh, multi-physics solver that connected uh, Fluent, uh, Fluent, CFX and ANSYS. Uh, back before we had before we even had Workbench, um, and so they just turned that off. They made some changes to APDL Math. Um, if you do use APDL Math, it's getting more and more capable. Um, there's just a lot of little things in there that maybe the general public. We talked about stuff that everybody should be interested in, but maybe for you, you need to go there and look in those release notes. Um, another resource is that we have these uh, webinars we do on Bright Talk. And uh, we've done, you did one for 19.2, is that correct, Ted? Mechanical. Mechanical. And then right. we did one for the discovery products. Right. That was just uh, two days ago. Two days ago. And then meshing is next, is that right? Right. That is uh, on the 23rd. Okay, so. 24th. Sorry. <laughs> that, that, that's where we get really, we've kind of talked about our highlights, but here we, we actually go through, um, you know, 10 or 15 new features uh, with pictures. Some of these, it's kind of hard to get what we're talking about over, over the, um, just the talking. So if you actually go and watch the webinar, you can see it uh, as we go through the slides. Um, and that's on Bright Talk. 
if you if you haven't um, used Bright Talk with us before, you just go to www.brighttalk.com and search for PADT, and you'll see all of our webinars on there. And you can sign up for them, and you can watch the recordings, or you can watch them live when we give them if you want to ask questions. But they're always on there as a recording. We usually put them the recordings on our blog as well at padt.com slash blog. Um, any, any parting words before we uh, leave? It's Friday afternoon. Uh, weather is beautiful in, in Phoenix. Uh, I'm, I'm in Denver, actually, and the weather is beautiful here as well. But I know that in, in Phoenix, we're all a little slower because it's not 105 degrees, so we're enjoying that. Um, well, it has been great talking with you guys again. We have to do it soon. Um, along those lines, if any of you know of anybody that's for a job that knows any of the ANSYS products, but especially HFSS is the one we're really trying to – one of the things we'd love to do is have Michael Griese on these calls. But just, uh, uh, you know, uh, one person really doing everything for that product line. Um, he's a pretty busy guy. So <laughs> if we can get uh, more folks uh, hired in that area, it would really help us uh, fill that in. So if you go to our um, to our website and at the top you can click on careers, you'll see the jobs we have listed. We have a couple for engineers. Um, we'd love to have you join our team. And uh, if you know somebody that's looking, have them apply. We uh, we have a lot of fun, and the more people we have, the more more we can have these guys on our podcast. So there's a fringe benefit for everybody. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thank thanks. you. Have a great day. Thank you. Talk thanks. to you later. Hey, thanks. Okay. As you can tell, they really do know more than I do, so we need to get them on more often. That was a, a lot more informative. Um, so we'll continue to, to try and, and make the schedules work, as well as bring in the outside folks as well. So uh, hopefully you've you heard about some things you didn't know about in 192, and it spurred you on to do your own exploring. And uh, do do watch for seminars or webinars as well as blog posts on some of the cool things we're learning. So let's take a little bit of a commercial break, and then we'll talk about events. Dave, you know that sending simulation work outside can be very difficult. I sure do, Linda. It's so hard to find someone that knows how to conduct simulation that also understands our products and design needs enough to add value. How do you know you have the right partner? You are so right. That is why so many companies turn to PADT for their engineering simulation needs. They are experts in structural, fluid flow, thermal, and electromagnetic simulation. They know how to drive design with simulation because PADT has been doing it for over 23 years, and some of their staff members have been building and running models for over 30 years. That's a lot of experience, but let's be honest. Working with a lot of outside providers is like throwing your projects over a wall. You send it, wait, and then get a number and a bill. That isn't what most people need. You hit on a key difference with PADT's team and why they have been doing this for so long. They have the technology down, but they also know from experience that constant and smart communication with customers is critical. And when they get done, instead of delivering just a number and pretty plots, they provide insight into the physics and behavior of what they are modeling. It really is like having a group of experts right there on your team. That is comforting. You can get burned without that. So I know I'm being kind of a skeptic, but simulation can be expensive and budgets are tight. So I want to make sure they really are a good solution. My last question is, how on earth do they stay so up to date on so many things? Yes, their capabilities are kind of overwhelming in breadth and depth, but the answer is pretty simple. 
Besides doing simulation as a service, they are an ANSYS Elite channel partner. They have to sell to and support over 100 customers. This gives them exposure to every ANSYS product and almost every industry and application. You really can't find that anywhere else. Okay, Linda, you convinced me. If someone needs to get some simulation done, how do they get started? Easy. They can email info at paditinc.com, call 1-800-293-PADT, or visit www.paditinc.com slash simulation. Someone from their engineering team will get back to them, usually within a day, to talk about what you need done. Cool. Thanks, Linda. Anytime. So what are you working on anyway? So the good news about doing this recording four days apart is not much has changed. Um, we still have uh, three remaining events in the month of October. Uh, AmCon is on the 17th and 18th in Salt Lake City at the Salt Palace. So if you're listening from the Utah area and you'd like to stop by and say hi to the PADT folks, please do come by our booth. That's always a really good show. Pretty much everybody shows up for that in the area. Uh, we do have one of those 18.2 webinars coming up. The meshing one is going to be on the 24th. You can sign up for that on our, on our website as well as I'm going to write directly. And you can also sign up to listen to the recording if you can't make it on the 24th and want to listen to it afterwards. And then our final event for the month is the 2018 Southern Arizona Tech and Business Expo. That's down at the Tucson Convention Center in Tucson, Arizona. So we do have quite a bit of customers down in Tucson, especially ANSYS users. Um, and we hope to see you guys there. Stop by our booth and say hi. That's from 12 to 6 on the 24th. And then in November, we've got three things. Um, we've got uh, a discussion on what's new in Fluent at 19.2. And then the final event of the year, really, for the Arizona Tech community is our Governor's Celebration of Innovation. And that's going to be at the Convention Center and that's from 4 to 8.30, so we hope to see you there. Um, and with all of our events, if you just go to our, our homepage, www.atinc.com, and click on events at the top, you'll get the whole list, as well as links you can click on to get de more detailed information, as well as how to register. So let's talk about the news. Um, wow, what a difference makes on the stock price. Uh, ANSYS, A-N-S-S, was way up there, really high, not, not at an all-time high, but pretty damn close uh, on Monday. And now it's down to 158. Um, it's not ANSYS, it's the stock market. And I often say I don't understand the stock market. I don't understand this downturn. I don't understand how anything's changed for ANSYS, why their stock would go down. But um, that's what happened. I'm just here reporting the numbers. I don't quite understand them myself. But um, that is what it is, and, and hopefully we'll be able to see that uh, come back up again just as things recover, take their profit out and move on. So that's, uh, I'm recording this on Friday, October 12th. So by the time you hear it, who uh, knows what the price is. Um, there's only been one official press release this week, and it's kind of an important one. So um, I, I dug a little bit into it. They announced a new chief technology officer, and his name is Prith Banerjee. And um, I did a little cyber stalking on him. The press release was, of course, gushing and glowing. But uh, I did a little bit of digging because, boy, whoever's the chief technology officer at ANSYS is a pretty important guy for those of us that use the code. Um, his background is electrical engineering. Um, with uh, it looks like he did quite a bit of work uh, writing software to do design automation for electronics. He's done a lot of things since then. 
uh, both uh, from an industrial standpoint in large companies and startups, and then he's also got an academic R&D background, which is encouraging as well for us. Um, seems like a very, very savvy, technical guy. The, the one thing that came through everything I read about him that was available online is recently he's been really pushing this drive for transformative change, uh, or using technology to drive transformative, transformative change. And I think that's a buzzword we're going to be hearing a lot about uh, in the future, not just with ANSYS. I've been hearing a lot about it lately with a lot of other companies we work with, that you know, this, is, this is how to change your organization, transform your organization through sometimes through um, your culture. I think in this case, we're going to really focus on how ANSYS can drive transformative change. At least reading between the lines, that's what I'm hoping he'll do since that's kind of his specialty. Um, ANSYS as a tool uh, across the industry certainly can drive such things. So hope to see that. Hope to get to meet him um, in the coming months as we venture back and forth to ANSYS and get to know what his vision is. And I'm sure we'll see it in the coming releases. Um, I'm not going to talk about blogs or any other news because it's only been four days. So uh, when I get back from my worldwide travels, I will catch everybody up on the news that I find. Um, I'm off to a trip to Israel uh, with the Arizona Technology Council. So I'll be gone for a little bit over a week. I'm looking forward to it. It's first time, my first time in that part of the world. Um, and as a history nut, I'm very excited about uh, being in the middle of so much important history. And from a business standpoint, um, there's a lot going on, especially in the startup and high-tech community there. And, and of course, ANSYS is all, PADT, ANSYS, PADT is also a Stratasys reseller, as well as an ANSYS reseller. And Stratasys is a co, uh, it's, a, it's a dual nation company, both in uh, the U.S. and Minnesota, as well as headquarters in, uh, outside of Tel Aviv. So we're excited, I'm excited about meeting some of those folks face-to-face -face for the first time. So uh, finishing up, Again, we always hope you find this useful. I certainly did. I learned a bunch about what's new. Don't forget to subscribe to www.adtinc.com slash opt-in. Um, and uh, I also made a plea during our discussion that you know, we've got a lot of open, well, not a lot, we have a few open recs, and we're filling them. Uh, we added a new, uh, something I didn't talk about before, which you guys should know, is we added a new support engineer, support training engineer in Texas. So um, that's great news. For our Texas customers, somebody there local now that can support them. Uh, and we also added an intern out there. Uh, but we still need more. Um, right? You guys keep adding users, and so we keep having to add engineers. So it's a good problem to have. If you do know somebody that's looking, or if you're looking, definitely reach out. And uh, that's at padtinc.com. And just click the careers at the top tabs there on the page. So as always, don't hesitate to reach out. Um, we get some great emails. We've been having some discussions on some future episodes. Trevor's been reaching out and following up on those, so please do send them in. And it, like I said, it was great to have the guys back to talk, and we hope to do that more in the future. And uh, we'll see you in a couple weeks. Thank you for joining us for the All Things Answers podcast. Episode 23. As a reminder, this podcast is not affiliated in any way with ANSYS Inc., and the opinions expressed are those of the people on the show only, and not of their current or former employers. For more information, visit www.padtinc.com, and please share your thoughts and questions through an email to podcast at padtinc.com. We'll see you next time.